Crowner Plus acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land, waters and sky and respects their enduring spiritual connection to country. We acknowledge the sorrow of the past and our hope and belief that we can move to a place of equity, partnership and justice together. We acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging and pay our respects to the cultural authority of First Peoples. Welcome to Cranacast, the remote health podcast produced by Crana Plus. This podcast is all about telling the stories of the remote health workforce. In each episode, a nurse, midwife or health professional shares their experiences of working in rural and remote Australia. Cranacast is designed for you to listen to on the plane, in the car between clinics or during your downtime. Download it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app so that you can tune in even when you're out of range. I'm your host Kate Ridge and today's episode our guest is Janine Lavender. Janine is the lead clinical coordinator with the Remote Area Health Corps. Janine has extensive experience in remote area nursing both in Australia and overseas. Keep listening to hear about the extraordinary beauty of red dirt and blue skies as well as the pitfalls of fishing on mudflats. Hello Janine and welcome to the Chronicast podcast. I'm so looking forward to our discussion today. So welcome. I'd just like you to be to begin with, if you'd give us a bit of an introduction about yourself, who you are, where you're working and your current role. As you know, my name's Janine and I'm a registered nurse and I started my training way back in 1982 in the dark ages when we still trained in hospitals. So um, I had a very hands-on based training. I did my training and did a staff year at the, the hospital in WA. I trained at Fremantle Hospital, uh, which was a port hospital. So we had a wide variety of you know many different cultures at that hospital. Um, once I finished that and I did a grad uh, staff nurse year, I went traveling overseas, um, got that out of my system and then came back and decided to go rural nursing. So I always wanted to end up in the um, be in the country and work. So I got a job down in a little town called Narigen, which is like a regional hospital there. Uh, I planned on staying six months and then saving my money and going overseas. But in the end, I ended up getting married and working at the same hospital for the next 30 years. So that was my life then. And I thought um, that's what my life will be. Um, I married a farmer, so I was also working on the farm as well. And I got to the grand age of 49 and then had probably what I call a midlife crisis and decided I needed to change. I'd been in management um, for the last seven years of that time in the hospital. I'd um, run a ward and acted as Mm -hmm. the director of nursing. Uh, So I applied for a job on Christmas Island, which um, in 2011, um, in the midst of the asylum seeker search. So I worked at that hospital for 18 months and then um, that sort of triggered my remote career. So for the last 10 years, I've been working in remote locations, mainly in the Northern Territory, but in other hospitals, uh, smaller hospitals around Australia. So I've also done some time in the Solomon Islands, um, helping looking after the Australian part of the Ramsey um, Initiative, which is a regional assistance mission 
for the Solomon Islands over there. So that was a really good experience mm. as well. Mm. And in between, I, I come home and I work um, as a casual nurse at um, you know my local hospital where I was you know spent thirty years. So I work in the ED and work as an after hours manager. Um, Eighteen months ago, I was approached to see if I would be interested in joining RAC, which is a remote area health corps. Um, as one of their clinical coordinators. So this is, again, a bit more of an administrative role, but um, it was to help with a, probably attracting um, nurses uh, because there was a critical workforce shortage throughout the whole of Australia. So the federal government sort of um, tasked right with finding nurses to see if we could put them in other Aboriginal controlled community health service throughout Australia. So that was my initial role. Uh-huh. And now... Um, well, I've done many roles within RAC now as well, um, but mainly dealing with the clinical the clinical component of it. So I do orientations. Um, I help sort out any clinical issues that health professionals have uh, in their remote locations. I help new to remote people, uh, new to remote nurses um, begin their remote career. So we do that by offering them a lot of clinical support and um, and mentorship. Um, by providing them with remote educators to go out with them on their first on their first placement, really. Um, oh. Sorry, um, G- Janine. Um, yes. So, Ra, that's Remote Area Health Core. I've got that yes. correct? Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, so, you were talking about you provide education for um, nurses who are going out on their first placement or and support. What does that look like? Um, when our nurses uh, first sign up and we find them a placement, um, we, we try and marry them up with a clinic that um, is suitable for their experience um, because, you know, they're not, they're only new to remote, they're not new to nursing, most of these people. Some will be, have a couple of years under their belt post their, mm-hmm. their training um, and their studies and others like me, you know, have 30 plus years under their belt before they start their remote career. So we try and tailor um, where we put our, our people for their first placement. Um, we organise a remote educator uh, who's an experienced remote area nurse to go out with them and just to guide them along um, the path, really. Um, we also provide a, a cultural and a clinical orientation prior to them going out. Um, in that, Those first couple of days of their placement is spent with us doing the clinical and the cultural orientation. So we have a cultural engagement um officer who um, authors and provides that cultural education and that's just to give an understanding and probably cultural awareness of what it's like to be in a remote Aboriginal community and and your role within that. So the clinical one also is really based on not telling people how to nurse but just sort of guiding them into the primary healthcare model and Mm -hmm. um, you know just giving them an idea of what it's like to be in a remote community the skills you need to have, the skills you need to develop. Um, and, and that's the role of the remote educator to sort of help smooth that transition as such. Yeah. Um, the other part of it is that we have um, a lot of modules on our website which are specifically geared towards um, remote life and remote health. So we encourage people towards those as well. Mm. So you, you mentioned a moment ago about the um, helping the nurses or the new recruits to develop the skills and knowledge for remote practice. So what are some of the specific things that they do need to develop that, that you assist with in there, in that space? Um, 
Well, for many, um, many nurses have come from a hospital-based system. Uh, so that's sort of quite rigid in its format, whereas in remote Aboriginal communities, um, the format is primary health. So that's dealing with people, I suppose you could say that we, we're dealing with well people and helping to keep them well, or mm -hmm. we're dealing with people with chronic disease issues and we're trying to manage them and keep them as well as we can. Um, so we've, we're really in the business of promoting good health and helping facilitate people find their way to good health as well. So I'm not sure if that answers that um, mm. specifically, but the, yeah. the primary health model of care is quite different to a, a hospital-based one. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not something that's addressed widely in nursing education programs. So it, it would be a real change in thinking for nurses that come from the acute care sector. Um, that's about how do I manage these situations and how do I promote care uh, yeah. in these in these new situations? So yeah, a real mind shift, I would think. Yes, it is a mind shift, and what we do at orientation is is just try to show that there's such a gap in health come outcomes the further out you travel from the tertiary centres, and mm. if you look at we get people to look at the social determinants of health and. The deficits that you can find when you go remote and particularly in um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Um, mm. So if we have an understanding of that, then we've got a foundation of where we can work towards to improve mm. that. So you've, you yourself have worked in remote practice both in Australia and um, overseas developing countries. So what's some personal and professional advice you would give people who are thinking about entering remote area nursing? Um, firstly, I'd probably say get a few years under your belt. Um, you know, it, it's a broad-based training that you do when you, you're at uni and you, you're studying for your degree and you, you do get exposure to um, different health settings through your placements and that as you're training. But I'd encourage people to to work in a hospital system and, and be guided by the policies and the structures that are around you um, because there are policies and structures out in remote health as well but um, it's it's just good to have that foundational foundational knowledge and that foundational experience you're dealing with people in medical and surgical wards gives you a good understanding of basic health needs um, mm -hmm. chronic disease medication management um, and then if you can marry that with a bit of acute care, say in the emergency department, um, that's always also very useful. But I could sort of, you know, go on ad, ad nauseum, so saying, look, you know, having experience with children and child health is, is a really useful experience. Um, it is a really useful skill to, to take with you just to know what's what normal looks like and what mm. you can expect when it's not normal um, mm. and where you need to go to from there. So yeah. I think... A broad-based experience is really, really useful, um, and and a couple of years of working gives you some, you know gives you a start with that experience. Mm -hmm. um, when I was reading your bio, you also talked about the importance of resilience and developing skills in resilience. So, is there some advice you could give people on how they could start to develop those those resilient skills or abilities to to keep to keep going when things are you know, you don't have the supports that you would in, um, you know, metropolitan centres or, you know, tertiary hospitals. H how can they start to develop those skills? 
Um, I think resilience sort of starts probably back in childhood. Um, but I think as a nurse, um, you know, like we, all, we all are confronted with many situations throughout our life and, and, and I think our ability to deal with them and process them and, and put them in, a, you know, in their right place as we're going through life is really good. You come across those situations more frequently when you're nursing, um, when, you know, you're seeing people at their worst, um, at their most vulnerable, um, and so you, you end up, you know, you can be at great risk of taking that on board personally. So I think the idea I have in my mind is that it's good to debrief with fellow colleagues in a confidential manner, of course, but, you know, to get those issues that are in your head that you think, oh, did I do the right thing? Could I have done this better? I think talking through some of those situations are very helpful. Um, I think having other support systems around you, you know, good friends, good family, um, getting good sleep, having a, a, you know, a healthy diet, um, getting exercise. Um, these are all things that sort of keep your mind and your body healthy. Um, mm. Yeah, resilience is it's, it's a tough one. We, we actually did yeah. a module on it when I first started at RAC and I went down so many rabbit holes while I was sort of researching what we wanted to put in the... Um, in our module and um, there were some really great um, videos and that, that we, we watched and, and one of them, one girl, you know, she just said, bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people, but it's how we process all those things mm. and how we move forward and, and keep our mind, you know. I think we can think of our mind as a filing cabinet and when things happen, we need to process it and put it into the right folder. So mm. that's often by you know, talking through people uh, with people with a professional skill also, um, mm -hmm. if you're coping, um, there's lots of support services out there. And most health facilities and, and health services do have that structure built within them. And it's, and it's similar in the remote world as well. There are people out there who can offer that professional guidance and support. I guess a way of um, finishing off our, our, our discussion um, are you able to share perhaps a story or an example of an experience you've had over your career in remote area nursing that kind of encapsulates or can highlight what it's like to work in, in remote practice? Oh, there's so many stories um, and some of them probably aren't fit for sharing in, in many capacities, but... Um, <laughs> One funny one, which sort of highlighted to me, you know, my level of nervousness sometimes and, and being unsure of myself or where I'm, you know, how I'm meant to act or respond in situations. So um, I was at a community in Arnhem Land and um, there was this lovely river on the edge of the community and had quite a big tidal flat as well. And we had a visiting dentist um, who'd come to the community and she'd come there quite frequently and she sort of gathered us all one Saturday morning and said, let's go fishing. I thought, mm -hmm. okay, I don't have any fishing gear, but that's all right. She said, I've got plenty and I'll borrow some. Um, <laughs> so we went out and we, we sort of carefully trod our way across the tidal flats because they were so slippery. Um, and I was also on call thinking, oh, if the phone rings, I'll have to be able to get across this quickly without slipping over and, and sort of sliding all the way back. Um, so we got to where the river bit, the channel, and um, she said, well, we were just had hand, hand lines and I, she said, well, we'll toss them in. We go to the edge, toss them in, and then we step back really quickly so we can watch for crocs, um, which were pleasant. And I thought, 
oh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so we did all that. And I'm sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting for a nibble. Nothing's happening. And about half an hour later, along come a group of older Aboriginal women with their grandies and they just grab a net and they just wade out into the river and start dragging for fish. <laughs> I'm thinking, i so cautious. <laughs> and they're so much more in tune with where they are than I am and I'm sitting there terrified a cock's going to come out. And they just knew. And that sort of really highlighted, you know, that connection that they had, that they felt safe enough to be in that water and have their grandchildren nearby and know that they were still okay. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just a tiny little thing, but it was sort of quite funny. And I had a laugh at myself after and, you know, just sort of started to watch people and, and observe, um, you know, how they were in their country. And so I think there was sort of a bit of, bit of cultural awareness and, and a bit of fun at the same time. So um, there's oh, probably lots of horrible stories, but I don't really like to talk about them because I think... Um, yeah. Everyone who goes remote will have a tough story sometime in their life and, yeah. and I think you have to make your own tough stories and, and then have a look at it later and just think, how did I go? So yeah. I don't know if that's of any use, that one. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. You know, because quite often we focus on, you know, clinical, but, you know, our lives are so much bigger than just our role or the work we do. So it's great to see the bigger picture as well as of what life can be like. So thank you so much, Janine. Um, I've really enjoyed our discussion and um, I wish every success with what you're doing in RAC at the moment. Thank you Thank again. You. Um, there's probably one thing I could add at the end is that yeah. people often ask me, why do you like to keep going out there? And I said, I think it's the dirt and yes. it's the red dirt, the red dirt with the blue sky and a white fluffy cloud and it's just a magic landscape and it's it it's a of Australia that not everyone gets to experience and I always feel privileged when I'm out there I think you know I feel connected to in some small way thanks for listening to this episode of Cast, and we hope you're enjoying the stories and experiences of the remote area health workforce We'd like to remind all listeners that the Bush Support Line is available to provide confidential support 24-7 to rural and remote health workers and their families. You can reach out at any time by calling 1800 805 391. For another great story, tune in on the 20th of June for the next Cast episode.